As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see this message. Welcome to Home Group. Home Group, welcome. We're so very glad that you're with us. Well, tonight we're going to talk about the movement of the Holy Spirit. And when you come to Scripture, there is something called the Law of First Mention. And when something is mentioned for the first time in the Bible, always pay attention to it, because that establishes something very important about that topic. And the first time the Holy Spirit is ever mentioned in the Bible, does anybody know where it is? It's in Genesis, Genesis 1. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. So open your Bibles, let's go there. This would be the law of first mention. And look what the Bible tells us, the very first thing about the Holy Spirit. Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God did what? Moved. Moved upon the face of the waters. In the very first mention of the, of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, we find the Holy Spirit is moving. Now that's important, because from that verse to the end of the Bible, the Holy Spirit's always moving. And in fact, in Scripture, you never find the Holy Spirit silent. You never find the Holy Spirit inactive. In fact, you always find the Holy Spirit moving. That's why the book of Acts is called the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. You know, technically it's called the Acts of the Apostles. It should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit It's through the, the Apostles. That's right. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. But what I want you to see is from the very outset of time, we find the Holy Spirit in movement. He's always in movement. And when the Holy Spirit moves, just like we see in Genesis chapter 1, divine power is released. Wow. And phenomenal things take place. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. And we find in the Old Testament... In the ministry of Jesus, we find in the Gospels, in the book of Acts, in the epistles, that when the Holy Spirit moves, things really happen. But I just want to say again, in Scripture, you never see the Holy Spirit silent, stagnant, or quiet. Every time the Holy Spirit speaks, He is in divine movement. And we as a people have to learn how to make room for the Holy Spirit to move. Now, I know that today that's difficult for a lot of churches because the way we do church has changed. Now, when Denise and I were young and when a lot of you were younger, churches were smaller and they didn't have multiple services. For example, when I was a kid, there was a church in Tulsa that had 500 people. That was the mega church in the city of Tulsa. I think that's important to mention because the whole idea of mega churches or churches over 500 people, over a thousand people, is relatively new. Right now, it seems normal for a church to have 5,000 people in attendance. That's actually very, very new. Well, but when churches were smaller, you didn't have multiple services. People came to church. It was a day event. It was a day-long event, and nobody was in a hurry. You ate at church. You had lunch at church. We did everything at church. Yeah. And if you were in a service where the Holy Spirit was moving, you, you were not in a hurry. You didn't have to get out real quick to make room for the next group to come in. And so in a certain way, the mega church, which is wonderful in many ways because it affords so many possibilities to people, 
that don't exist in smaller churches, but in another way it's more limiting because you're looking at the clock, you're thinking about getting people in, getting people out, and unfortunately you're thinking about the parking lot. And we understand that because in Moscow we are very limited in our parking. If we don't move people out, the next crowd can't come in. That's true in many, many churches today. And so if we want to experience the moving of the Holy Spirit, then we have to create a time and a place where we have no limitations. And we do that every week on Friday night. Paul, you want to tell us about it? We have Friday night prayer every single week, especially since uh, this whole pandemic began. We started getting together every single Friday night. We used to do it once a month. Yes. And once enough was good, but I like every week more. And since we've been doing it every week, we're going to continue to do it every week. And what do we do? First of all, we sing together. When we sing together, when we come into unity, there's a few things that happen when we come into unity. When we sing and when we pray in tongues, we come into unity with the heart of God. And then once we're in unity with the heart of God, then he begins to move among us. So while we sing, then there, after we sing, there comes a moment for prayer and there comes a moment for encouragement. And then we sing some more and then there's another moment for prayer and another moment for encouragement. There's a time to pray in tongues and there's a time to wait. Every single Friday night, prayer, our event, is different. We come to Friday night with an understanding of what we're going to do. But what actually happens is often different than what we plan to do. But the reason we started doing that is because I was concerned. Because we had gone to multiple services. Actually, when we started Friday night prayer, we had moved into a smaller auditorium, and on the weekend we were having five services. Mm -hmm. Ay, ay, ay. Don't ever want to do that again. But we were moving them in, moving them out. I mean, we barely had time to preach the word and to give an invitation, let alone to wait for the Spirit to move. And the Holy Spirit will move if you'll make space for Him to move. He really will. The Holy Spirit's never silent. He's always in movement. So we created Friday nights as a special moment when we would just come and see what the Holy Spirit wanted to do. And we have amazing things happen on Friday night. And I want to encourage you, if you're a church leader, create an environment where there's no restrictions. Make room for the movement of the Holy Spirit, Joel. You know, we're talking about mega churches and churches over 500, and that's, that's a recent thing that started to happen. And I think that when we start opening affiliate churches, those local churches in Moscow not our main church, but the local churches, they, could, they, they created their own fellowship, their own community. And I think that's very valuable. You know, when a church gets so large that you can't really fellowship, I think it's wonderful when you can break out into local communities like we've done in Moscow. Well, another place where you can have the movement of the Holy Spirit is in home groups. And in our church in Moscow, we have hundreds of home groups. And to be honest, those home groups are full of the moving of the Holy Spirit. Russian believers love the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We have prophecy, visions, dreams. I mean, just people moving to the gifts of the Holy Spirit because we make room for it. And if you'll make room for it, the Holy Spirit will... He'll move. He'll move. So the first time the Holy Spirit ever appears in Scripture is Genesis 1, 1 and 2, and we see Him in movement. But now let's go to the New Testament. And when we come to the New Testament, we find the movement of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus, and really it begins with the Virgin Mary. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, he said, 
in Luke 1.35, the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Spirit shall what? Come up on you. We're talking about the movement of the Spirit. And the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And in this verse, we find the Holy Spirit was going to move upon Mary. And as a result of his movement, the power of God would come upon her and she would supernaturally conceive Jesus in her womb. But that conception of Jesus was a result of the Holy Spirit in movement. divine movement. Then when you come to the baptism of Jesus, which is recorded in Matthew 3, verse 16, it says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, by the way, the word lo, the Greek word do means, and wow. That word lo is really Matthew injecting his own feelings, his own sentiment about this experience. And wow, it's amazing. The heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending, doing what? Descending, here we see the Holy Spirit in movement. Descending like a dove and lightning upon him. At that moment, the Holy Spirit moved on Jesus to baptize him in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was supernaturally empowered by the Spirit. And it really launched his supernatural ministry. But that was a result of the movement of the Holy Spirit. But the New Testament book that contains the clearest examples of the movement of the Holy Spirit is what book? Acts. The book of? Acts. It's very important that it's called the book of? Acts. Acts. Or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because it's describing what happens when the Holy Spirit moves. When the Holy Spirit is working, there are Acts. That's why it's called the book of Acts. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. And I want to tell you that if you're not saying supernatural Acts, it means you're not letting the Holy Spirit move. Mm. Because when the Holy Spirit moves, there's action. There's activity. The Bible proves that from the beginning all the way to the end. You know, I want to read something that I, I intended to start. A.W. Tozer said, If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would keep on going and nobody would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would have stopped and everybody would have known the difference. Mm. They were totally dependent upon the moving of the Holy Spirit. And today, many people don't even know the movement of the Holy Spirit. We need to have the movement of the Holy Spirit. And the book of Acts was never intended to be a history book. What do I call it, guys? It's a pattern book. Yes. It is a pattern book for how God wants to work among us. And we find that God wants the Holy Spirit to be loosed to move. And when the Holy Spirit moves, there are acts. That's why it is the book of Acts. When there is no moving of the Holy Spirit, there is no supernatural activity. There might be mental activity. There might be soulish activity. There may be human talent involved. But when there's no supernatural movement of the Spirit, there is no supernatural activity, no supernatural acts, no supernatural power. The Bible clearly shows the moving of the Spirit is all about action. And when the Holy Spirit is allowed to move, 
divine power is supernaturally released. In fact, I'm going to say to you, and I'm going to say to you guys too, I would challenge you to find one place in the book of Acts, just find one, when the Spirit moves and something supernatural does not happen. You won't find it. It always happens. It always happens. You'll never find a place where the Spirit moves and nothing happens. If He moves, something always happens. Well, it makes me really want to look at my life, at our home group, at your church, at our church, and say, are we allowing the Holy Spirit to move enough? Because if we allow Him to move, we're going to see a lot of divine activity. Mm -hmm. Isn't that encouraging? Yes, it's very encouraging. It really makes me kind of want to self-correct in a few areas of my own life. But let's go on to the Spirit's movement in the book of Acts. And let's begin in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, where Jesus said, But you shall receive what? Power. Power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come up on you. We're talking about divine movement. Jesus says when the Holy Spirit makes his move... <clears throat> and he comes upon you, you'll know it because there will be a release of power. The word power is the word dunamis. The word dunamis was the old word which would describe a force of nature like a hurricane or a tornado or an earthquake. It was also the word used to describe the advancement of a full army. So now Jesus says when the Holy Spirit is allowed to move, when he moves upon you, <laughs> With that movement, there will be like a supernatural force of nature. It will be like all of heaven's army is released. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit moves. I think that's amazing. And when you come to Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, you find that movement recorded. And in Acts 2 and verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them evidence. That was really just the first spark of the Spirit's movement. But if you study the entire book of Acts, you find that beginning in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, when the Holy Spirit moved, He began to produce powerful actions. He began to perform the miraculous as spiritual gifts were released. And then you come to Acts chapter 3. You know what you find in Acts chapter 3? Peter and John going to the temple at the hour of prayer. And as they go to the temple at the hour of prayer, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit moves. And when the Holy Spirit moves, a man that had been crippled from his birth is instantaneously healed right at the gate called beautiful. That's what happened when the Spirit moved. Then you come to Acts chapter 4. Go there. Acts chapter 4, and I want you to look at verse 31. We read, the Spirit moved. And when the Spirit moved, something mighty really took place. Look at it, Acts 4, verse 31. And when they were, had prayed, the place was shaken. That is not figurative speech. It really means to be physically shaken. Where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. How would you like to be in a prayer meeting where the very building begins to physically shake? You say, oh, it sounds like a fantasy. No, it's not a fantasy. You need to let the Holy Spirit move. And when He moves, power is released like you have never experienced in your life. Then you come to Acts chapter 5. Oh, this is amazing. In Acts chapter 5, the Holy Spirit was moving. Everybody say moving. Moving. He was moving so strong, they couldn't get to all the people who wanted to be touched. 
So the Bible tells us in Acts 5, 14 to 16, and believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. And of course, multitudes were healed and healed and healed. The Holy Spirit moving. Can you imagine so many people needing to be healed and the Spirit moving so mightily that you say, you know what, I can't get to all these people to lay my hands on them. So form a healing line on this side, I'll lay hands on them. Let my shadow catch them on the other side. That's literally what happened in that chapter. The Spirit was moving. And when they allowed the Spirit to move, power was erupting all over the place, Paul. And these are the same places that Jesus had previously ministered. Oh, yeah. Previously, Jesus had probably walked through the gate beautiful and perhaps had even seen the crippled man that needed to be healed. But later, John and Peter healed him. The people in Israel had seen Jesus heal people, and now when they saw the apostles and the Holy Spirit moving through the apostles, there's, my point is, is there's always more work to be done. Even where Jesus himself served and ministered, there was still more work to be done. I like that. Thank you, Paul. But hey, let's go to Acts 6.8. And in Acts 6.8, the Bible says, Stephen, full of faith and power. How do you like that? Full. You know why I was full? Because the Spirit moved. He did great wonders and miracles among the people. So you see again the movement of the Spirit and the result. Then you come to Acts chapter 8, verses 5 to 8. Listen to what it says. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. So again, we find that when the Spirit was allowed to move, move the power of God was unleashed. Then you come to Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 45, we find what happened when the Spirit was allowed to move among Gentiles for the first time. It says, while Peter yet spake these words, he's speaking the gospel, the Holy Ghost fell. What is that? That is the movement, movement of the Holy Spirit. Fell on them which heard the word. And we know the story. It goes on to say they spoke in tongues. So the Holy Spirit moved in the household of Cornelius. And the results were not just something believed in. It was vocal. It was outward. And it was physical. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit moves. Then you come to Acts chapter 11. We're not going to read it, but I'm going to refer to it. Verses 28 through 30. A prophet named Agabus allowed the Holy Spirit to move. Isn't that amazing? Allowed. You've got to make room for the Holy Spirit to move. And when they made room for the Holy Spirit to move, it became vocal. And the Holy Spirit began to speak through him. And he prophesied about a big famine that was going to come to the Roman Empire. And because the Holy Spirit was allowed to move and to speak, the believers were prepared for that. They were not taken off guard. And I want to tell you, if we'll let the Holy Spirit move, he'll speak to us. And we won't be taken off guard by things either. Then you come to Acts 13, verse 2. You guys ready? It says, they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Ghost, what? Said. They allowed the Holy Spirit to move. And when the Holy Spirit was allowed to move, he spoke. They could hear him, 
It was vocal. Then you come to Acts 14, verse 10. Paul is ministering in Lystra, and he said with a loud voice to a crippled man, stand upright on thy feet. The Holy Spirit moved through Paul. The man was miraculously healed. You come to Acts 19, verse 6. Paul comes into the city of Ephesus through the upper gate, and he finds a group of people that need to be saved. He leads them to Christ, lays hands on them, and the Holy Spirit moves, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they speak with other tongues, and that's not the end yet. Go to Acts chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought into the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Again, we find that if you make room for the Holy Spirit to move, you're going to see some remarkable things. In fact, this verse says God did unusual miracles. The Holy Spirit has unusual things waiting for us. If we will, Denise, let him move. move. Denise, do you have a comment? Well, I was just thinking about how, how he wants to move. And, I mean, he loves us so much. And when we gather together, he's there. And we're so occupied by our program and our plan and our purpose and our gadgets. And the power of God is there. He's there. He's there. He's just waiting for an opportunity for someone to allow him to do what he does. And if, if he's not moving, we have to look at ourselves. Why isn't he moving? And I think this is very encouraging, Rick, because we are containers of his power. We are. And if we don't open up and let him move or say something or do something, he told me many years ago, I was sitting at a swimming pool, and I felt like I was supposed to witness to the person next to me, and I was arguing with the Lord. And he said, Denise, I'm not going to use the tree over there. He said, I'm going to use people. He wants to use you. Wow, Denise, thank you so much. That's powerful. He wants to use me, and we have it. It's not for the five apostles and the pastors and the, it's not just for them the holy spirit in you a mother a worker a lawyer a doctor all the time inside of us all the time all the time wanting to do something well father we ask in the name of jesus you help us to loosen up and let the holy spirit move more Forgive us for restricting the movement of the Holy Spirit. Help us to throw all that off. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to move among us with your power in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I have a word. There's somebody and you've had a shoulder and it's so much pain. So much pain. It bothers you so much. The power of God, just the power of God's on you right now. Just receive that. Just receive that healing. Amen. We're out of time. We'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please like, subscribe, and comment so more people can see it.